0: This is Danny Glover. You're listening to Sojourner Truth with my friend Margaret Prescott, Tuesday through Friday, right here on Pacifica Radio, KPFK, radio powered by the people.
1: Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. By now, you likely have heard news about the passing of Queen Elizabeth. There are new calls from former and present day British colonies for Britain to make amends by paying reparations, issuing apologies, returning stolen artifacts, and breaking up with the British monarchy, as did the island nation of Barbados in the fall of 2021. Let us now go here to the clip of the official proclamation of Charles being king, followed by the anthem that many of us who grew up under British colonial power had to sing each and every day at school as well as in church. Let's go to that clip now.
0: Pleased almighty God to call to his mercy our late sovereign lady Queen Elizabeth II of blessed and glorious memory by whose decease The Crown of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland is solely and rightfully come to the Prince Charles Philip Arthur George. We therefore, the Lords spiritual and temporal of this realm and members of the House of Commons together with other members of Her Late Majesty's Privy Council and representatives of the realms and territories aldermen and citizens of London and others, do now hereby, with one voice and consent of tongue and heart, publish and proclaim that the Prince Charles Philip Arthur George is now, by the death of our late Sovereign of happy memory, become our only lawful and rightful liege lord, Charles III. By the grace of God, of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and of his other realms and territories, King, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith, to whom we do acknowledge all faith and obedience with humble affection, beseeching God, by whom Kings and Queens do reign, to bless His Majesty with long and happy years to reign over us given at St James's Palace this 10th day of September in the year of our Lord, 2022.
1: By the way, I'm sorry for playing that there, but that is what we had to suffer through growing up on my island of Barbados on practically a daily basis, where we had to sing, God save the queen, long may she reign over us. And now it's the king, and the song goes, long may he reign over us. Well, we'll see about that. Queen Elizabeth was crowned in 1952 when more than a quarter of the world's population were under British rule. According to NPR, that was more than 700 million people. The old saying went, the sun never set of the British Empire which included countries in Africa, Asia, the Middle East, the Pacific, and the Caribbean, and of course the British Isles of Ireland and Scotland. And British imperial power was known for slavery, massacres, and other violence and theft. The resulting suffering was felt around the world, even as the royal family accumulated great wealth and prestige. Much of that wealth remains secret to this day. Even the crown jewels of the late queen were actually stolen from India and South Africa. Today, we focus on the colonial impact and legacy of Britain and demands for reparations and other forms of reparatory justice
2: for Pacifica Radio, I'm Christina honested Ukrainian troops are piling pressure on retreating Russian forces. They're pressing a counteroffensive that's produced major gains and a stunning blow to Moscow's military. Late Monday, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky said troops had retaken more than 6,000 square kilometers in a matter of weeks. Ukraine's leaders released footage showing their forces burning Russian flags and inspecting abandoned charred tanks. Reports of chaos abound as Russian troops pull out as well as claims that they were surrendering en masse. Ukraine officials say they've captured so many soldiers they're struggling to house them. Ukraine's deputy minister of defense said Kiev is trying to persuade even more Russian soldiers to give up, launching shells filled with flyers ahead of their advance that say Russians use you as cannon fodder. Your life doesn't mean anything for them. You don't need this war. Surrender to armed forces of Ukraine. Russia's called the troop drawdown a regrouping, but even those who once backed the war are now critical of Putin's siege, here's a Russian nationalist Igor Girikin. His comments were translated by Al Jazeera. I have an impression that in
3: October our Russian army will break into pieces. It's not because they are incompetent or
2: cowardly. It's because the Ukrainian army supply lines are much, much better than ours. Ukraine's recapturing key areas is considered Russia's largest military defeat in its war since Moscow pulled back its forces from Kiev after a botched attempt to capture the capital city. The New York Times is reporting the U.S. Department of Justice has issued as many as 40 subpoenas in the past week in connection with its investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election by former President Donald Trump and his allies. The Times said the subpoenas seek information related to a plan by Trump associates to submit slates of alternative electors from states like Georgia, Pennsylvania and Arizona, which President Biden narrowly won in 2020. The goal was to submit names of electors who would cast their support for Trump instead of Biden, potentially upending the results. Congress, though, ultimately certified Biden, despite a mob of Trump supporters storming the Capitol in a deadly siege on January 6th of 2021. Immigrants and their advocates rallied at the nation's Capitol Monday for immigration reform. Catherine Carley reports. This is what community looks like. Looks
4: like. This is what democracy looks like.
1: Dozens of immigrants' rights activists gathered in Washington, D.C. Monday, demanding Congress cut funding for detention and deportation policies. Nielsen Barajona, a Honduran native and former immigration detainee, spoke of the freedom America promises.
0: And freedom is a thing that they take away from us when we're looking for safety. Yeah. This is not what United States stands
2: for. I'm Catherine Carley for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Thousands of nurses in Minnesota launched a three-day strike Monday, pressing for salary increases they say will help improve patient care by resolving understaffing stresses that have worsened during the COVID-19 pandemic. Some 15,000 nurses at seven health care systems in the Minneapolis and Duluth area walked out, a number the union says makes it the largest strike ever. Ever by private sector nurses. Nurses are seeking their pay raises of more than 30 percent over three years, while hospitals have offered 10 to 12 percent. The hospital systems say the nurses' demands are unrealistic. But Mary Turner, Mary Turner, a nurse and head of the Minnesota Nurses Union, says it's not about the money. It's about staffing levels. Their response back is, never will we let the nurses um, control the staffing grids. Never will we let the nurses have a say in our staffing on our floor. Well, that means they're telling us that we will not be allowed to do the job the way we are trained to do, and that is using our assessment skills and, and our knowledge and our know-how to keep the patients safe. Freight railroads and their unions are facing pressure from business groups in the White House to settle a contract dispute. They face a looming strike deadline Friday. Business groups say a stoppage halting deliveries of raw materials and finished products would be an economic disaster. Amtrak meanwhile has suspended some of its long haul routes starting today in anticipation of a strike. A new report from Earth Rights International charges the fossil fuel industry with targeting more than 150 climate justice activists in recent years with what the group calls judicial harassment, including lawsuits aimed at suppressing protests. The report identifies 152 cases where fossil fuel companies use what it calls judicial intimidation tactics to stop critics from organizing against oil, gas and coal extraction. Many of those were targeted were protesters of the Dakota Access Pipeline and similar projects. A leading human rights group has called on the United Nations to ensure countries hosting the International Climate Conference are meeting human rights standards after documenting instances of repression against environmental activism in Egypt, this year's host. I'm Christina Onestad reporting for Pacifica Radio.
1: And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. And today we are going to be focusing on the colonial past of Britain, of the UK. All over the mainstream media, there is news about the passing of Queen Elizabeth of Britain who ruled for 70 years. Uh, She is succeeded by her eldest son, formerly Charles, now King Charles III. But in former British colonies on, on the continent of Africa and Asia in the Caribbean region, a lot of mixed feelings at this particular time as there is a strong movement calling for reparations, for apologies, for return over uh, centuries. Indeed, England uh, was involved in the slave trade very, very early on. And indeed, there was a company called the Company of Royal Adventures trading to Africa. And they were granted a monopoly that they had hoped to last for a thousand years, you know, from Nigeria, Kenya, to India, to Pakistan, to you know, the Pacific Islands to the Caribbean. I'd like to welcome, we're we're awaiting two other guests, but let us start by welcoming Kumba Toure, who is the coordinator for Africans Rising for Peace and Justice and Dignity. She's based in Dakar. Uh, She was born and raised in West Africa. She works to develop leadership um, among girls and women on the African continent, as well as in the diaspora. Skills and experience um, will call on her role organizing and mobilizing uh, youth women activists. Uh, she has more than 20 years of experience working with uh, organizations, and she is a member of the African Feminist Forum, as well as the Per Ankh Writers Cooperative. She is a member of the African Consultant International Board and is a mother and sister to so many. Kumba, thank you so very much for joining us.
3: Thank you so much, Margaret, for for having me and for saying all these great things about okay. me.
1: I understand uh, David Kamisiyong is also now on the line with us. David Kamisiyong is the ambassador to CARICOM, the Caribbean community representing my island nation of Barbados. He's also active in the Caribbean Pan African Network. He is an attorney, a writer, political activist. He's the author of the 2013 book, It's the Healing of the Nation, The Case for Reparations in an Era of Recession and Recolonization. He's also the author of Marching Down the Wide Streets of Tomorrow, Emancipation Essays and Speeches. David Kamisiong, welcome.
4: Uh, Thank you, Margaret. It's a pleasure to be here, as usual.
1: Right, and Kumba, we're hoping that... Sangu um, from Kenya will be able to uh, get through uh, to us to join this discussion. Well, first um, thing that we are going to do here, uh, and David, uh, not especially for you, but just to give us some context here, I'd like to play a clip of Prince Charles, who is now King Charles, of the speech that he gave in Barbados because my island nation David's Island Nation, um, broke with the Queen and became a republic the fall of 2021. And let us hear what Prince Charles had to say then.
0: And with that, Britain's Queen Elizabeth, no longer head of state of Barbados. 400 years after British ships arrived, the island nation is now a republic, cutting the last remaining ties to the British monarchy. Prince Charles attended the ceremony and was honoured with the country's highest ranking honour, the Order of Freedom. The heir to the British throne reaffirmed the strong friendship in a speech between Barbados and the UK.
5: The creation of this republic offers a new beginning but it also marks a point on a continuum a milestone on the long road you have not only travelled but which you have built from the darkest days of our past and the appalling atrocity of slavery, which forever stains our history, the people of this island forged their path with extraordinary fortitude. Emancipation, self-government, and independence were your waypoints. Freedom, justice, and self-determination have been your guides. Your long journey has brought you to this moment, not as your destination, but as a vantage point from which to survey a new horizon.
0: 73 year old Sandra Mason, the former governor general is the first ever president of Barbados.
1: Our country and our people must dream big dreams and fight to realize them. As poet James Stevens puts it, we must learn that we are better than our clay and equal to the peaks of our desire. I was born and grew up in the time of colonialism and witnessed Barbados's independence. I am part of the bridge generation from the colonial past to the independent nation, to the future of the
0: new republic. Barbados will remain part of the Commonwealth, the fifty-four member organisation of mostly former British territories.
1: Right, and there you have um, the Sandra Masonette. Machenab- Mason, now the head of state of Barbados, talking about moving from the colonial past to the future. David Camus-Yong, um, as we delve into, uh, we're going to spend the hour on this, and, and both you and Kuumba, please know that I'm also going to play later in the show a clip from um, uh, Charles, Prince, when he was Prince Charles, of the a bit from the Commonwealth speech that he gave. But David, just put Barbados within the context of this entire discussion, because Barbados does hold a very uh, distinct, um, uh, well, distinction here in terms of the role of of Britain and the slave trade. David Commission. Yes,
4: Margaret. Barbados was Britain's mother colony in the Caribbean. Barbados was the foundation of that system of plantation slavery. Um, white supremacy. Uh, Barbados was once known as a little England. Uh, so uh, Barbados for Barbados to quarterly totally throw off um, the the British monarchy, um, take full control of its sovereignty uh, was a very significant thing and has and has sent a very positive message to the other um, Caribbean community nations that are still, holding on to the British monarchy as their head of state. You know, this is something that really should not happen. We, our people, we were, we were brought here as slaves, we fought, we resisted, um, to take control of our nations to, to gain our independence. And so it is wrong that we should gain independence, but yet still hold on to the British monarch as our head of state. It, it is really incongruous. It's a badge of shame. And I'm so grateful that um, Barbados um, got rid of that badge of shame um, last year. But you can see the effect that what Barbados did has had on other countries. Jamaica has now said it is going to move in that direction. Um, The Prime Minister of Antigua said that within the next three years, Antigua is going to move in that direction. St. Lucia likewise. So we can anticipate that that is going to happen. Um, Where where Prince Charles is concerned, though, I want to say, that Prince Charles acted like a real statesman at Barbados's transition to republican uh, republic status. Uh, he came to Barbados. He participated in the ceremony, um, and he, his participation was very significant. He actually took center stage. He he was handed the flags of the Barbados governor general, the old flags that we were getting rid of, the Barbados governor general, um, the Barbados army defense force, all the flags with a royal insignia on it. He was handed these flags, and to the plan of all Lang Syne, you know, that we are getting, getting rid of all things. He marched off the parade ground with these flags as the representatives of the New president's office, the, the Barbados military entered um the parade ground with the new flags, the new um republican flags. And uh, and this and, and then he 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 then added to that by making the statement that he made in which he acknowledged um Britain's dark past of, of enslavement in Barbados. So I give kudos to Prince Charles because he has gone where no British government has yet gone. The British, the position of the British government is basically um, to deny that past, to refuse to, to to acknowledge that slavery still impacts us in a negative way and that we must have a discussion about reparations. When you play the clip from Charles speaking to the commonwealth has a government um, meeting, you will see that Charles is actually saying that um, he is recognizing the, the, the still existing negative consequences of slavery that we must deal with it and that it's, it's a conversation whose, whose time has come. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what role New King Charles will play going forward he does have a rather close relationship with with Barbados. Um, he, his Prince's Trust operates in Barbados, um, bringing certain services to to young young people at risk. And the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme for the development of young people is very much active in Barbados. He himself has a close relationship with Prime Minister Motley. So we we are looking forward to see what the 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 reign. What good things the reign of King Charles might bring, might, and I stress, might. <laughs>
1: right, and uh, Kumba. Before we we hear from you and David, we'll hear a bit more from you too, just about that horrific period of slavery in Barbados with the development of the slave codes, et cetera, the, the the tens of thousands of people who likely died. I mean, hundreds of thousands of, of enslaved people who passed through Barbados. So people who are looking for any updates about what's going on, um, in the uk now following the death of queen elizabeth i'm sure you'll find a lot of that on, on mainstream uh news but um, her body has been in edinburgh uh scotland um now king charles and his wife camilla are flying to belfast in uh northern uh ireland they're likely there uh right now and um you know the Coffin of the Queen is on its way, likely now to Buckingham uh, Palace, and the public will have about four days where they could view it. So a lot of uh, mourning and angst going on. But Kumba, when we look at the continent. And when we, you know, this phrase about the sun never sets on the British Empire. And when we look, I mean, just pick Nigeria. I mean, you could pick Kenya. I mean, so many examples of um, what the UK has done uh, on the continent. Uh, your thoughts on that first, um, before you tell us about um, the the movement um, that's moving forward, pressing for reparations, Kumba today.
3: Thank you so much, Margaret, and uh, thank you, David, for uh, what you just shared about Barbados. It actually um, grieves gives a you know a, a bit of hope. Um, but uh, I think w- what I first do is for us and you know uh, for the listeners and everyone to really take a time to pause and uh, also realize the the amount of uh, suffering, death. Um, that uh, UK has uh, pressed upon the world uh, for so many hundred years. Uh, we talk about slavery, colonization. We talk about numbers of people across this world, indigenous people from all over the world, that uh, whose lives have uh, been destroyed, people who did not get to 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 live um, as long as 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 the queen did. So I think um, as as we you know talk about um, the the death of of, of the uh, you know the, the queen of England, uh, we we cannot not mourn and talk about so many more deaths that are totally invisibilized um, and has been across time and are still even today. Uh, you know uh, out of some of these consequences so that that would be my my first um uh reaction uh to 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 this before even you know starting to talk about movements and people coming up and so on uh, and and I would say that uh you know uh, f- uh, we have yet at least on the on the on the African continent uh, to have well, not only the UK but um uh, Europeans, of course, led by the UK, uh, in terms of uh, the damage they've done to the world and to Africa, we we have yet uh, governments uh, taking uh, responsibility uh, for for thefts, for for killing, for atrocities, even for in some places for genocide. We still have a, a long way to go. Uh, for for people to even recognize uh what has happened uh, let, let alone um start looking at what to do to 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 go towards reparation <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you know, Kuma and, and David, I mean, for those of us who uh, grew up, you know, under uh, the British colony at the top of the show, um, I don't know if you heard, I, I did play after they announced Charles yeah. King and they played, you know, God save our our gracious King. I'll tell you, in my little village of La Gio Christ Church in Barbados, it was very, very hurtful to us uh, to see how hard we worked in our village how hard those cane cutters were. Turns out my village is right close to one of the largest uh, slave burial sites in the whole of the Americas, over Hmm. 600 souls uh, buried buried there. The, The slavery in Barbados was so brutal that they imported the slavers from Barbados to along the Carolina coast to, mm. to uh, train people into how to uh, torture slaves. I mean our whole island, a small island is sacred ground because it's like a huge graveyard. The turnover was was so was so great. Mm. And I wept when I heard our prime minister say that um, the average um, life span Was 18 years old, 18 years old, and people forget that. And the other thing I want to underscore, Akumba, because it was Africa, but if we look at Ireland, I was reading an article. You know, a lot of people know about the potato famine that happened in Ireland, and people um, thought that it had to do with famine, but England was exporting the food, okay? that would have saved the lives of a million people who died in Ireland, two to three million who, um, who immigrated. Then there was the torture that happened in Kenya of the Mau Mau. They had to, um, in 2013, I think, apologize for that. But then look at Nigeria going into creating a Nigeria, bringing together nations, um, independent nations, under our uh, British rule, and then getting involved in that um, War in in Biafra um, where a million, a million people died. So, and I'm not even getting to what happened on the the Indian continent or what happened um, in Bangladesh and in other places. So people have to, uh, I agree with you, really have to focus on the lives lost and the blood that was shed and the hurt and the anger um, that still Uh, resonates, how uh, no matter what people think about the queen, she was a nice lady, she was a nice mama, you know, whatever, Um, you know, she did her job well, but her job was holding up a brutal uh, empire. Um, Now, what, um, David, uh, back to you, I, I said a little bit about those days, those slave days in in Barbados, and Barbados does have the distinction, I think, of being the only place in the world that was an entire uh, slave economy. Give give people a sense of what was going on there. Even I hear you what you're saying as we're being trying to be hopeful about what King Charles, now King Charles, will do. David Commission. I,
4: I speak about um, Barbados as the world's first open hope slave society. Barbados, the sugar revolution took place in Barbados in the 1640s uh, when uh, Barbados turned to large-scale production of sugar, and that required a massive labor force. Um, Hence, the white planters of Barbados began um, enslaving um, Africans and bringing them in, in, in big numbers to Barbados, so much so that they became by far the majority of the population. So Barbados has the distinction of becoming the first country in human history that was built totally on the basis of slavery. Slavery was the foundation of everything, of the economy, of the social system, of the governing ideology of the country. Um, So there were other countries in history before Barbados that had slavery as a feature but Barbados was the first that was founded completely on on the system of of slavery. And the Barbados slave code of 1661, that was the first, that was when um, the Barbadian ruling class put together a comprehensive set of rules and regulations as to how to make and to govern a slave society And that code was then um, transported to Jamaica. It was then transported to South Carolina and right across um, the the, the British colonies of of North America. And and, and so, yes, the the Black people of Barbados bore the brunt of this this white supremacy and uh, suffered tremendously. That is why, you know, you can find a Barbadian in any part of the world, because for much of our history, um, it was a very brutal history, a very brutal society, and black people were constantly trying to escape um, to greener pastures. However, the good part of the story is that after centuries of resistance, um, black, the black people of Barbados were able to form trade unions, political parties. And with the coming of universal adult suffrage, we finally got our hands on the government of Barbados, and we used the powers of government to uplift. Um, the masses of our people and today Barbados has gone from being that um, brutish oppressive um, um, society to being a, a society that is regarded internationally as uh, a country with one of the highest human um, development um, in indices of, of, of the world. So that is that's is our story in a nutshell. but I hasten to say it is not only Britain, in 2013 the heads of government of our Caribbean community decided to launch a reparations claim against all of the nations of Europe that were involved in the enslavement and colonial oppression of the people of the Caribbean and we have identified ten: Britain, France, Spain, Portugal, Denmark, Holland, um, Germany, Switzerland, Sweden, we have identified 10 of them and we have our heads of government have written to them outlining the, the claim and um, inviting them to come and sit with us to discuss how they can help to repair some of the damage that mm-hmm. they have done. They will never be able to repair all, but to come back to the scene of the crime, and discuss with us how they can help to repair um, some of the damage. So that is an ongoing um, reparations claim. We have recently reached out to the African continent. Our prime minister, Prime Minister Motley of Barbados, she has responsibility for the reparations campaign within the Caribbean community. She has reached out to the African Union, to the heads of government of Africa, and we have invited Africa to join with us in this reparations campaign, let Africa and the Caribbean go, to, go forward together in confronting um, the governments of, of Europe. So we are, we are tired of yeah. against the governments, but it is only a matter of time before families, families, whether the Barclays family, whether the draft family, whether the royal family, families and institutions, companies are also at. I also have a reparations claim directed at them
1: right david david you're on a roll here that's great the next part of our show we're going to be focusing in on um the reparations the struggle for rec- reparations in kumba um noting yeah. that august 1st through august 4th the accra declaration of reparations and racial healing you know that event that took place in in gada yeah. but first we're going to need to take a, a short station break and when we return, stay with us, both David and Kumba. We'll be continuing this discussion. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: Them crazy.
4: Them crazy. We're gonna chase those crazy.
1: That is the late, great Bob Marley those crazy ball heads out of town this is margaret prescott host of sojourner truth if you've missed any part of this hour from 10 this morning for 90 days after that just go to kpfk.org you'll be able to hear the show in its entirety and you can subscribe for a free uh podcast um of course this is on pacifica radio we want to welcome all of the other pacifica flagship stations this is kpfk 90.7 fm but the pacifica flagship stations and other uh cities and our affiliates that are carrying sojourner truth across the country we want to uh thank you um our handle on instagram and twitter at so true radio if you're a member of facebook you can like and friend us there we're having some issues with our website at the moment but we'll let you know uh when it's a backup we got some malware on it which is causing a problem for us but our show's you can, um, they are on SoundCloud nationwide and worldwide. Just look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott. And today I'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud uh, listeners in Brooklyn, uh, New York, in Brooklyn, New York, and internationally. I would like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners uh, throughout the diaspora, throughout the African uh, diaspora, there's several uh, countries um, of listeners who do tune in from those countries to Sojourner Truth and our our guest uh, right now, Kumba Toure, um, who is the coordinator for Africans Rising for Peace and Justice and Dignity. She's based in Dakar, Senegal, and David Commission based in Barbados. He's the Barbados ambassador to CARICOM, which is the Caribbean uh, community. And we are discussing now within the context of the death of Queen Elizabeth, who reigned for 70 years, um, the the rising movement, the growing uh, movement for reparations. And, you know, we'll see what King Charles is going to do. I'd like to now share with you a clip from Uh, The now King Charles, a speech that he gave, I think this past June, uh, to the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth are nations that are still affiliated uh, with the the UK, uh, called the Commonwealth, interestingly enough. And we'll play a clip of that, and then we'll contrast that with a short piece um, from the now King Charles, from his very first speech that he gave to the nation and to the world. Let's go to those clips now.
5: For while we strive together for peace, prosperity, and democracy, I want to acknowledge that the roots of our contemporary association run deep into the most painful period of our history. I cannot describe the depths of my personal sorrow at the suffering of so many as I continue to deepen my own understanding of slavery's enduring impact. If we are to forge a common future that benefits all our citizens, we too must find ways, new ways, to acknowledge our past. Quite simply, this is a conversation whose time has come. To achieve this potential good, however, and to unlock the power of our common future, we must also acknowledge the wrongs which have shaped our past Many of those wrongs belong to an earlier age with different and, in some ways, lesser values. By working together, we are building a new and enduring friendship. In 1947, on her 21st birthday, she pledged in a broadcast from Cape Town to the Commonwealth to devote her life whether it be short or long, to the service of her peoples. That was more than a promise. It was a profound personal commitment which defined her whole life. She made sacrifices for duty. Her dedication and devotion as sovereign never wavered through times of change, and progress through times of joy and celebration and through times of sadness and loss.
1: Alrighty, so there you have a contrast then of the then Prince Charles uh, talking about the depth of his sorrow for uh, slavery and that suffering and talking about a conversation whose time has come. And he's now King Charles carrying the weight of whatever is left of the so named uh, British uh, Empire. Um, I now would like, though I'm, I'm glad to say that uh, Sangu Oyo um, from Kenya has now been able to get through to us. He is a writer and organizer at Kanganmano la Mapinduzi, a political movement uh, in. Kenya, and he is also part of WamCo, which is a vanguard of a way of thinking that aspires to another order of being and doing within the African continent and her dispersed uh, diaspora. And he has coordinated for the last couple of years the hashtag rewrite history a Pan-African campaign that looks at the legacies of slavery and colonialism, and how they manifest as systemic racism in the economic, social, and political spheres. Uh, Sangu, thank you for joining us. We are glad you were able to get in. Uh,
6: Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. And uh, uh, many apologies for joining late. We lost our network. Uh, Today, there is uh, swearing in of a new president, and uh, the network was jammed in this part of town, but really glad to join in the conversation. Right.
1: And Kenya, yes, of course there is. And, and, and I'm glad that uh, David Kamision and Kaumba have been on. Uh, so I want to give you a chance um, to tell us, uh, Sangu, about that brutal really history of uh britain in relation to to kenya thousands of people tortured thousands more uh displaced and and england has actually had to make some payments some small payments but to some of the survivors of um at least one of the the massacres uh sangu tell us your
6: thoughts uh thank you margaret i think uh Uh, the brutality of the colonial chapter in Kenya is indescribable because, uh, Mm -hmm. specifically because one, Kenya was a settler colony, and uh, two, uh, when the national war for liberation, the war for national liberation and independence uh, broke out uh, in the early 50s, it found a lot of people who had already been dispossessed, living in uh, settler settler farms as quarters on their own land. And so a lot of our young men and women joined that war of liberation. And uh, the response uh, of the British Empire was brutal because they pursued a, a policy of villagization, which basically uh, was... Uh, a, a, a whitewashed word for concentration camps, they called them villages, and this being uh, uh, less than a decade uh, after the horrors of the Second World War and what uh, the Nazi Germany had done to Europe, they replicated the same, a system of villages where uh, people could not go in and out, uh, which were fenced. Uh, where the violence violence was the order of the day, Uh, sexual abuse uh, of our mothers and grandmothers. But beyond that, beyond the more than 1 million people who are concentrated in these camps, actually around 1.5 million, we also have uh, over almost 200,000 people killed in a span of less than a decade. There was a huge loss of life. They, they instituted a system, a prison system, called uh, the pipeline, which was uh, a system of uh, uh, prisons meant to, which in in, in in their view was meant to rehabilitate the Hadko Maomao, or, or what they call the Hadko Maomao. And so uh, you look at that system of brutality and its systemic nature, uh, and link it to the dispossession of the people and and link it to the problems that the country faces to this day, especially around around land, access to land. Uh, Then you see uh, the very fundamental way in which Britain shaped uh, the economic trajectory of Kenya then and decided who would be in a position of economic power, how Britain even shaped. Uh, the psychology of the people because a lot of the people who participated in these wars and who lived in these villages are still alive to date and 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 when they recount the horrors of that time uh, uh, especially the torture tactics in the in the in the prison pipeline, it is horrendous, it is horrendous. and and we must also recognize that uh, on a large scale rape was used as a weapon of war. Against uh, our grandmothers. Uh, if you read on that on that uh, era, it is it is really painful and brutal. Uh, I do not know whether I can even describe it on radio like uh, someone filling a bottle with hot water and using it uh, to rape a woman. Uh, those those are the are the are the tactics of war that were instituted and tactics of uh, repression that were instituted against our people. But most fundamentally, I would say, was the attack on the indigenous economy and the way in which the colonial patterns of economics uh, Britain in the independence negotiation ensured that they remained intact and that Kenya, the Kenyan economy would only in many ways continue to exist in the service of the British economy. And so a lot of the British multinationals who had not bought land to establish their farms whether it's around tea or around coffee uh, and and other so-called cash crops retained the land and are still reaping benefit from these lands to date right and i mean
1: just <laughs> what you have described just just so horrific uh sagu uh, those of uh listeners who are just joining us this is margaret prescott host of sojourner truth and we're in the aftermath now of the death of uh queen elizabeth who ruled for 70 years and then the secession the now uh king uh charles iii we're discussing the colonial past um really throughout the world of the uk its impact and also the demands for reparation you just heard uh oh you who is based Uh, In uh, Kenya, where a very, very brutal uh, history um, that happened there, Um, nearly 1.5 million people, the British, uh, rounded up. Um and I I read also uh someone who was from uh Bangladesh talking about some of the torture that was that was happening there and that the Queen Elizabeth actually letters were written to her, including in, in Kenya, um, you know, asking her for some justice and and not really getting much response here. But in the in the time that we we have left, we, we could really do a whole series. Uh, on this uh kumba i wanted uh to go back um david uh talked about reparations he talked about mm-hmm. caricom making an appeal uh to the african nations to move forward together um for uh reparations and caricom has named 10 nations not only um the uk and very recently the Place in Accra, and a speech was given by the president of Ghana, outlining a, a number of points. Um, 14 points having to do with they're also talking about using the as an inclusive identity. thoughts now on this push for reparations was uh, how significant was that across uh declaration and and your thoughts too about this coming together of black people in the diaspora and on the continent kumba
3: Right. Thank you, Margaret. And Sungu, thank you, uh, David, you too. I I tell you, Margaret, uh, we are in a new era. I mean, when uh, people uh, met in Ghana uh, and the president of Ghana came and and spoke at at the the reparation meeting, uh, we we really realized that we've come a long way, long way from, um, you know, even the conference in Durban uh, against racism where uh, the word of, of of reparation was not uh, you know uh, uttered by the you know in the mouth of, of African leaders. Um, uh, Barbados is is such a, I want to say such an inspiration uh, for for its for its leadership. Uh, one thing is clear is that the people of Africa um, are ready and have been ready for a long time. Um, uh, the, the Rewrite History campaign. It was, actually, it was started uh, just by a letter, a letter to the Queen. Uh, you can find it, there was a letter to the Queen uh, that was written, I think, very nicely. It, it was like an appeal to look at the past of Britain and so on. But, but the reality is that there are many, many uh, movements, organizations that are saying, uh, not only to the UK, but to all the European countries, that it is time. It is time not only to acknowledge the past, uh, which many of them do not even want to get there, but to stop uh, the way uh, for for African countries, how we are still living through a serious uh, extraction of our riches uh, (laughs) from the, I wanna say from the grandchildren of the, the 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 economic institutions that that did slavery, I mean you can track to this day uh, money of of, of uh, you know international uh, corporations uh, where it came from people who who made money from slavery are still uh, you know under all the other format. Uh, the, the the organizations and the institution, the economic corporation that are uh, still extracting, um, you know, uh, riches from the continents today. So there's something to stop about the bleeding of this continent today already. And also, there is a work that needs to be done about just reparation. I mean, giving back basic theft. I tell you, some of these things are physical. Come on. Uh, and 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 there is there is no way no one can tell us about uh democracy or humanity or anything of uh, international community uh, when 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 our children uh, face these these lies uh, uh every day so um to me the the the, the Ghana meeting was Extremely significant. Um, uh, it, it comes after many, many years of work. I mean, people have been doing this work, David, and them, uh, the people from Martinique, uh, MIR, uh, the Movement International pour la Réparation, uh, Malsa, and them have given their whole life to, to 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 fighting about reparation. And most of the time, years ago, when you spoke about it, you were kind of looked at as, you know, what are you talking about? Is this even possible? But the world has to come to term with, uh, you know, changing uh, if we want to live in a in a in a peaceful world. Uh, if we want, uh, yeah. uh, you know, human being to 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 survive. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and and uh, Kumba, you remind me also of of Haiti, um, the first democratically yes. elected president Aristide, who demanded reparations. Of course, Haiti had to pay France for the loss yes. of their slave labor and the loss of the war. And as a result, the United States, Canada, and France um, orchestrated a coup against him. And the people on on in Haiti are still on the street today, um, you know, trying to recoup some of uh, what they lost uh, there, but. But Um, But Kumba uh, and all of you, actually, because we are short of time, we're not able to talk about the role of women. I'm, I'm so glad, Sungu, that you talked about the torture of our mothers and, and sisters of our ancestors there, but also in the New World, in Barbados and uh, in the United States, where the women slaves were so used for reproduction. You know what I mean? To reproduce uh, other slaves. That I, I'm, I'm counting the money. So when you're looking at the money, then you have to also include the work that yeah. women did. that reproductive reproductive work. Uh, But we just have, I'm sorry to say, we have um, just about a a minute uh, left. So um, Sangu, will go for a very quick thought from you in terms of what you see as uh, next steps. And and David, I'm afraid it'll, it'll only just be about 30 seconds or so for each of you. Let's go with Sangu.
6: Uh, I think uh, for me, uh, on the African continent, uh, we have to make these historical linkages. Uh, we ha- have to link the, the question of reparations to the economic question, especially uh-huh. the issue of debt, and turn it into a moral question, who owes who, was who? Uh, because uh, Africa is uh, paying debt while still getting exploited. Uh, but beyond that, I think... Uh, we also need, uh, in many ways, uh, to look at the immediate things that can be done. African artifacts in European museums, which 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 have cultural, spiritual, and many other significance. Right, income for Europe, and we are not getting that income, and we also not using the artifacts for the purposes we what they are today called artifacts uh, the items for the purposes we are using for but at the same time we also have to environmentalize the reparations uh, because the long-term effect of colonialism uh, uh, on the African continent and the exploitation of the environment our people are suffering whole villages are coming uh, into deserts today and, and pushing our people to the cities. But if I'm okay. to mention, S- okay, I'm, af- I'm, I'm afraid
1: I'm afraid we we really are out of time. I want to give. Um, we'll have to have you back, Sangu. Um, uh, David, Commissioner, uh, um, thirty seconds. Final thoughts.
4: I think we we have to be very realistic and understand that the royal family is basically ceremonial rulers. You know. The days of the absolute monarchy are long past. And um, it is really the British government, the prime ministers and the ministers of government that make policy and administer the policy. So our yeah. claim is again our claim for reparations is against the British government. However, the royal family, even though it does not run the British government anymore. Um, does have its own claim for reparations to answer to because of its history um, back in the seventeenth and eighteenth century in being very much involved in organizing and benefiting and profiting from the slave trade, okay. and the plantation slave economy.
1: Okay. Thank you. uh, All three of you, uh, Sangu, Kumba, David, for joining us. We're going to have to continue this discussion another time. We're really out of time. I got to dash very, very quickly. Uh, Today's show produced by me, Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank our assistant producer, Alicia uh, Vargas, our engineer, Gary Baca. If you'd like a copy of today's show, contact the Pacifica Radio Archives. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Sojourner Truth we will be back up here tomorrow. Thank you for listening. This is It's your host, Margaret Prescott, and you all stay well and safe.